In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. If you found yourself sitting there during our Old Testament lesson wondering, who on earth is Habakkuk? You probably weren't alone. Habakkuk's contribution to sacred scripture covers just a few pages, right at the end of the Old Testament. And all we know about him is that he was a prophet, and he may have worked at the temple in Jerusalem. We have a much better sense, though, of the time in which he was writing. From the contents of the book that bears his name, we can tell he is writing just before the conquering of Jerusalem by the Babylonian Empire, which is rising up in the east while the people of Judah, his homeland, are disintegrating from within by fighting among themselves and neglecting the law of God. Why do you make me see wrongdoing and look at trouble? Habakkuk says to God about his people. Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise, so the law becomes slack, and justice never prevails. The wicked surround the righteous, therefore judgment comes forth perverted. All this means he's probably writing around 600 B.C. Remember, it was in 586 that Jerusalem was eventually destroyed by the Babylonians, and to hear Habakkuk tell it kind of sounds like their own fault. As he observes the state of things and talks it over with God, he's worried. Worried about his beloved homeland, his beloved people, his beloved faith. Because thanks to rot from within, the future looks grim. You know when I feel the most like Habakkuk, afraid for the future of something I love and think is good and right and important, but which is destroying itself from within? When I look at the current state of the Christian faith, when I see what passes for Christianity in the public square with its emphasis on judgmental exclusion, when I see Jesus promoted as one who is more into domination and damnation than justice, mercy, and love. When I read sickening accounts of manipulation and exploitation and abuse from seemingly every corner of the church. When entire denominations refuse to engage in the latest advancements in knowledge and science or to take seriously the questions that they raise. When I see a cross at the front of a mob, bent on violence and insurrection, then it is that I fear for the future of our faith. The Pew Research Center tells us that the percentage of Americans who identify as Christian has dropped 30% in the last 50 years and is projected to drop below half within 50 years from now. And when asked why they are leaving, people often say, hypocrisy, Irrationality, bigotry, irrelevance. Can we blame them? And yet at the same time, when I look at the world and see just how much it is hurting, the inequality and the injustice, 
the violence and the loneliness and the hopelessness, the social division and the ecological devastation, I can't help but think that actually the Christian faith gives us everything we need to remedy such afflictions. If only we could reclaim what it means to be a Christian as something closer to the humility and love of Jesus. If we could reframe people's conception of God into something expansive, not restrictive. And if we could regain people's trust by being more merciful and kind and gracious, it is then that we might just recapture that which is good and right and true about the gospel. For those of us who hang on to being Christian, but understand it differently from how it is portrayed in contemporary culture, we cannot stand idly by as we, like Habakkuk, watch our beloved faith continue to discredit itself from within. And like Habakkuk, it may make us mad to see that. It certainly makes us sad. But it cannot make us hopeless. Because I believe our understanding of the Christian faith still holds a profound appeal. I believe that because of what I see around me. Here at Christ and St. Luke's, where we have a spirit of growth and possibility permeating our parish. And one of the great joys that I have found here is the number of people who have found their way to us from many different places and are relishing, rejoicing in the vision of God which we proclaim. I look around and I see some incredibly remarkable, faithful people who love God, love each other, and love this church. People who believe that God is as we believe God to be, big and broad and beautiful. And they believe that the way that we, as Christian community, can ground ourselves in Christ, can love one another as He loved us, is to be welcoming of all people and welcome, that into, welcome them into that fellowship of love. I give thanks to God that there is a liveliness here, a vitality of spirit, and an appreciation for that vision of the gospel which we hold. And that gives me hope. Because I see this vision of God and community as remedying a lot of what is wrong with our world today. But if we believe in this God of love, if we take pride in our church, if we, if we do not agree with the prevailing picture of Christianity as portrayed in our culture, and yet still believe that the church has an essential role to play in shaping people's souls, and healing the wounds of our society, not exacerbating them, if we believe all those things, then it is up to us to write the vision. As God tells Habakkuk, write it so big that everyone can see. Write it by what we say and what we do. Write it by who we are and how we are. And in order for us to do that, we need you. <coughs> we really do. We need your presence, your participation, your prayers. We need you to spread the word and share your gifts. And we need your financial contributions. 
I know we shirk from talking about it in church. But part of participating in the life of a Christian community is contributing financially to support the work and worship that proclaim our particular hope for humanity and our vision of the holy. Because say what you will about our brothers and sisters who peddle a different understanding of the gospel than we do, but people go and people give a lot. We are so deeply grateful for all that you have already given and do for this church. I have been blown away, truly, by the generosity that I have found in coming to serve in this place. But if we, Christ and St. Luke, we who believe in this gospel of goodness and grace and love want to play a part in reclaiming the narrative of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ and want to be a leader of that vision in this area, we need to be fully equipped. Specifically, that means we need to complete our building renovation so we can get busy using our buildings instead of just dreaming about them. The good news is that we expect construction to be completed in the next few months and expect to have the redesign of the Lichgate Garden done within a year. That means that soon, truly, we will have finished the entire master plan for preserving and preparing our buildings and grounds for the next hundred years of promoting a vision of God whose love is for all. However, due to inflation, delivery delays, cost increases, we are going to have to raise more money to finish this project. Between the completion of the renovation and the redesign of the garden, we need an additional $2 million. That's the hard news. But the great news is that thanks to some very generous parishioners who believe in the vision of this place and want to invest in its future, we have already raised $1.65 million of those dollars towards this effort. That means we need your help to raise the remaining 350000 and we think that goal is very much in reach. And as a sign of their support and their leadership, every member of your capital campaign steering committee and your vestry has made an additional pledge towards the completion of this campaign. We hope you will join us in helping complete the restoration and the renewal of a campus that all of us here today, as well as those outside our walls and those who may find their way to us in the future, will have many reasons to use and enjoy for generations to come. At the same time, to accomplish all the exciting things our new physical infrastructure will allow us to do, we also need to complete our annual task of funding our operating budget. This is how we pay for the ongoing expenses of running the church. And parishioner pledges make up almost 90% of the money that we need to do that. Your annual pledge will help us expand our outreach, help our neighbors teach our children, create beautiful music, and support those of us who are going through difficult times. And this year, after so many years of generous investment in our buildings, we now need to invest in our people so that we have the team in place that will help to lead us into that exciting future. Our first priority is to provide adequately for the staff team who have seen this community through its time of transition and have persevered through some less than ideal working conditions, I can assure you. 
additional. If we hope to be an even brighter beacon of God's love and acceptance within the Episcopal Diocese of Southern Virginia, the city of Norfolk, and the Hampton Roads region, we need a full-time associate priest to share in the liturgical and pastoral duties of this church. And finally, to help attend to the many important details that allow a parish with our level of activity to run smoothly, we also need to hire part-time administrative support. To meet these goals, as well as cover the costs of our regular uh, increases to our operating expenses, we have set our annual appeal at $1.1 million. If you have pledged in the past, we ask you to increase your pledge by 15%. And if you have never made a pledge to Christ in St. Luke's, we strongly encourage you to do so because our ability to reach that goal will depend on everybody's participation, no matter the size of the gift. This week you will be getting a mail from us with all this information and more, as well as two pledge cards to fill out. You can fill them out and return to the church, or you can go online and do it through our website. One is for the annual campaign, and one is for the completion of the capital building campaign. We know that a dual stewardship ask can be daunting, but we are proceeding with faith. Faith in you and faith in God, all of which have supported us and sustained us thus far. Because with your support, our building renovation and our staff will be complete. And this church will be ready to soar. Soar not to heights of our own glory, but soar in service and in love. Because when you give money to support our church, you are not just making sure that Christ in St. Luke's has what it needs. You are staking a claim of what you believe in. A God who is big and broad and beautiful. A Lord who is gracious and kind above all else. And a people who aspire to be the same. Help us write that vision. And make it real. So that we don't have to stand there like Habakkuk on the temple wall and watch our beloved faith falter and fall under the weight of its misdeeds. For when we are at our best, we are a window, a witness, into the very heart of the universe. For modeling our life together on a love that Jesus showed us to be the essence of God Almighty is what we are all about. So, yes, give because you like the sermon. Give because the people are nice. Give because the music is beautiful. But give because you believe in God. A God of overflowing love that is available and offered to all. And give because this is the day that the world needs to hear about. Thank you. And amen. <laughs>